0: Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Dedicated to the evolution of you, because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be. Helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Incompetent people, people who did poorly on the first part of the test overwhelmingly reliably rate themselves as far more competent than they actually are. So incompetent people, it's important to know, they don't know that they're incompetent. They think they're doing just fine, even when it's, not, it's quite obvious that they're not. Well, why is that? Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clear and The path to competence is paved with failure. Failure is the moment when you realize that some part of your competence is an illusion and clarifies what you need to gain it. The problem is that so many people are afraid of failure, and fear of failure leads to mediocrity. The safest thing we can do to avoid failure is to never try at all, of course. But to achieve competence, we have to become friends with failure. This episode was originally recorded as part of the Money from Burden to Freedom course, available now online at courses.clearandopen.com. I offer a weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. So we're gonna go, we're gonna drill down into competence too. Uh, but before we do, I want to talk about failure, which I talked about a little bit before. So Failure is when you get to look at your, the ways in which your competence was an illusion. Failure is where your ego image, your ego self image, the story you have about what you can do meets reality. And the relationship to failure is so important here because how you become competent is by subjecting yourself to things that you don't know if you can do or not. And when you do that, you will inevitably fail. But I, I, I don't know, We it needs to be like a non-succeed, needs to be an alternate word than failure, because failure is so loaded. Because failure has like, it's like failure and then parentheses, because you suck as a human being is sort of <laughs> attached to the word, you know? It's you have an intention and then you perform some actions and then you don't get the result that you want. Yeah, an experiment. Thanks, Rebecca. That's nice. So you perform the experiment, and it turns out, you know, that your hypothesis about you was not true. And then you can go, oh, how did I do that? It didn't work out the way I thought. But what happens for most people when they fail is they turn it into a failure. It's, this is bad. It's bad that this happened. I'm bad, which only would be there in, because there's insufficient parenting because of the lack of non-conditional love. And then they have to push away the experience and can't learn from it. And so many people won't even, they'll experience that maybe one or two times enough to know what it's like to, quote, fail and, and make themselves miserable with it. And then they spend the rest of their lives avoiding failure. Which is the biggest mistake you can make if you're interested in competence. If you avoid failure, you avoid competence. How's that for a soundbite? If you avoid failure, you avoid competence because competence comes from learning and investigating where you're incompetent. But if you make the failure mean that you're a bad person, which it does not mean, then you'll, you'll never learn. And this is what mediocrity is. Mediocrity is a compensation for the fear of failure. Because the safest bet to avoid the shame feelings that come around failure is to never really commit to excellence. That's the safest thing you can do. And so this is why the way most people in our world, the way they do their jobs, is they do just slightly better than what would get them fired. That's basically mediocrity. You figure out, and it's not hard to figure out how well you have to perform in a job if you have the skills to do it. If you have the skill to do the job, then you just determine what's the minimum amount of effort that I can engage in to get my reward. Hmm, that sounds familiar, right? How do I maximize my return? How do I maximize approval and minimize rejection? But. From that strategic place, it does not make sense to try really, really hard and do something extraordinary. Because if you try to do something extraordinary, excellence, you increase your risk of failure, don't you? And then you might get fired. So the safest bet is to stay in this zone just above getting fired, but below excellence so that you never fail, but always suck. But, not, but you don't suck so much that you get fired. So I shouldn't say suck. It's, you never fail, but you never get fired. And that's the zone of mediocrity. And that's where most people operate. Why do they operate that way? Because they were trained by their parents to perform for love. And their shame and the conditioning causes them to fear looking at the gap between how well they think they do and what's true. You guys know the Dunning-Kruger effect? I've talked about this. I haven't for a while. Dunning-Kruger effect is a horrifying principle that's been tested many times. And it's that if you you give someone a test in their area of expertise or their job or whatever, and you test them based on their... You give them a content-based test on their competence. And then you ask them in the second question how well they think they did. And the results are scary, and, but also make a lot of sense. Incompetent people, people who did poorly on the first part of the test, overwhelmingly, reliably rate themselves as far more competent than they actually are. So incompetent people, it's important to know, they don't know that they're incompetent. They think they're doing just fine, even when it's, not, it's quite obvious that they're not. Well, why is that? They have to, the ego, I should say, the ego has to pretend that they're doing better than they are because otherwise they'll have to look at the gap between who they think they are and reality, which would dissolve the ego. That's why getting fired 10 times is really can be a powerful path to awakening and living proof. <laughs> but really, that's why... So. These wake up calls that we get, whether it's getting fired, which is a big thing, or, you know, suddenly your spouse saying they want a divorce and it feels like it's out of nowhere, or as simple as showing up late to something. Anytime, anytime, anytime your intentions don't match up with your results slash reality, it's a moment where you can look at that gap, that competence gap. The gap between who you thought you were and how well you were doing and the truth. Inside that gap, you can, look at, at, you can look at it two different ways. You can look at inside that gap is the pit of despair and shame. That's what it is from your ego's perspective. But from a healthy person's perspective, the gap between who you think you are and reality is excellence, competence, opportunity awakening, everything you've always wanted. And this is why, no surprise, people avoid accountability like the plague. Can you see how a healthy adult's relationship to accountability would be, let me have it, I can't get enough because I'm so greedy for my own fulfillment and evolution and I know I need as many uh, opportunities to see the gap between who I think I am and reality. And I don't care what the hell happens to me because I want to know the truth. Whereas the ego says, how do I retain my false self image and convince people of these untruths and navigate reality as a scheme? That's what ego does at the level of individuals. So is it any surprise when you get... 5, 10, 50,000 of those egos together in a business environment with a corporate structure that uh, mandates that shareholders make money without doing anything, that's making money. right? They're not earning that money, they're just taking it. And then it puts all this stress on that organization to produce profit for those people who aren't even working. And then they all have to scheme together to make more every year. 20% growth every year, no matter what's going on. It's just ego. It's just a very plain, simple, unhealthy relationship to reality that trickles down into love and money and power, which we'll talk about in the next course. Questions so far? a question related to what you just said I mean if you look at the performance of the stock market recently it seems to be quite divorced from reality so I'm just curious what your thoughts are about that you know i'm not I'm not a very uh i'm an, I'm a passive investor not an active one and for about 10 fifteen years I didn't invest at all because I didn't want to uh, make money without earning it and I still don't like it but I've surrendered to that's just how the world is, and I'm not going to change it. So I, I can't really intelligently speak to that. The stock market has been divorced from reality for a really long time, not really. Long, I don't know, at least six months. I mean, it dipped a little bit when the pandemic happened, but then it sh- it really to reflect reality. Like right now, you know, earnings reports have not been so great, and it really should be going down. And I thought it was going to tank when Trump lost, which it seems he has. Because Trump is so business friendly, and it's not doing that, so I don't know what the hell is going on. I have no idea. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that we were living in the same reality. Yeah. You know, I occasionally I read articles that try to speculate why it's doing so well, and it's just it's so derivative that I don't retain the information because it's so weird. You know, the stock market is it's it's a virtual reality of a virtual reality of a virtual reality. It's 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 bizarre. We could spend an hour deconstructing that system and why it
1: shouldn't exist. But yeah, it's a good question. Anyway, sorry. Zach? You had something? If we leave a, you know, the high efficiency, low authenticity regime that is the money economy, can we unlearn or deconstruct naturally the tendencies towards you know do as little as possible to gain as much as possible for ourselves it's
0: a great question. I think I understand it. Um, tell me if I don't. The only path that I know to to deconstruct that I don't think it can be done from the outside in I don't think it can be done that way. It might help you know like change laws around corporations and you know create systems that reward truth more than the schemes that might help but you know, financial reforms happen every once in
1: a while, and what happens? People just find new schemes. What has I to I mean, individually? Yes, like as individuals, we oh leave the money economy, or you know, extricate ourselves as much as possible from the money economy, and then we're outside of like the system that mm. seems to reward the behavior that you're talking about
0: how would you do that like live in the woods and eat off live off squirrels and nuts and stuff like how would you do that
1: yeah i mean (laughs) or like do small-scale agriculture i mean sure there's a lot of ways to do it well or just like yeah
0: I, i wouldn't say that would heal your relationship to money it would just obviate your need to heal your relationship to money you just wouldn't be dealing with money so that your dystrophia around money would no longer be apparent or have an impact on you. But the minute we drew, then dropped your squirrel-eating, nut-eating person back into society, the issues around money would come back up. So that's why I'm not a proponent of, of dropping off of, of the grid that way. Not for that reason, though I am working to make my land you know sustainable enough to be able to eat off of a lot. But that's not because I think the system is the cause of my relationships with money or whatever the, the only way to do it is from the inside out and that's by growing up and or waking up and that's therapeutic slash spiritual work that this course is really just an introduction to to show you and uh, give you some traction on uh, what your emotional money issues are see what those stories are anything else about that Zach? Did I fail? Um,
1: No, 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 no. Not at all. I I appreciate (laughs) that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it's a great question.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the Clear and Open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow,